I'm talking about blowtorches. It's the same thing where they start to it starts off real messy with just all. It's the like f- what you do for lenses. Yeah. What do you call it? Um, they make it more precise. They yeah. It's like a camera lens. You you turn the tighten, lens. You tighten the lens. You you you. The words on the tip. You move of my the lens, Micah. Yes. You, you move the lens. He moves his atomic breath. <laughs> Everybody, welcome back to Podzilla, the show where we cover all Godzilla and Godzilla-adjacent media, um, mainly in chronological or release order. My name is Micah, I'm your guy who loves soggy noodles. And I'm Jaysha, and I haven't changed my shirt all week. (laughs) It's true, this place stinks right now. Yeah, I might need to go actually go for a shirt Uh, change. We'll see. But the other reason it stinks is that we've actually been stuck... In a, in a Zoom cabinet meeting for the past, what has it been now? Like three days straight? It's been days. GeForce invited us. Yeah, there's a video conference. Uh, and we've been moved to like breakout room to breakout room, conference call to conference call. It's just never ending. We decided to chuck ourselves on mute from all that and talk about Shin Godzilla. Yep. Uh, we've kept the stream going in the background uh, if we want to look at it. I don't think there's anything important happening there. No. We'll be fine. They won't notice. No, no. But this week, you're right. We're covering Shin Godzilla. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going along in our order of release. And this is a movie made in 2016. Uh, the first Godzilla movie made by Toho after their 10 year. 12 years. 10, oh, 10 plus years. Yeah. A uh, little hiatus. Yep, so there was Final Wars in 2004, then this in 2016. This is the official kickoff to the Reiwa era, Toho's new era of Godzilla content, which we're going to be seeing a whole lot more of. But, I mean, we've got fond memories of this movie, Micah. We saw it in theaters, 2016. How old would I have been? I would have been 15. Wow. I couldn't remember a single thing from it, except that (laughs) Godzilla was cool. Yeah, I, I'm the same. And I think a lot of the like political allegories and metaphors went over my head back then for sure. I did, Yeah, I don't think we <laughs> caught a lot of the satirical humor. Yeah, but um, I'm looking forward to getting into it. Should I just go straight into a recap? Bro, give me Jaysh's recap. Okay. In Tokyo Bay, an abandoned yacht and flooded tunnels trigger absolute chaos. Deputy Chief Rando Yaguchi suspects a giant creature's involvement in it all, a theory that is met with skepticism from the Japanese government. Soon enough though, a giant creature does emerge, one named Godzilla, and it wreaks havoc across the city of Tokyo. Multiple failed attempts to stop Godzilla soon lead to an imminent nuclear strike threat from the US. Doing away with all the endless corporate meetings and cabinets, Yaguchi and his ragtag team of nerds develop Operation Yashiori and try to use coagulant to freeze Godzilla. The operation succeeds just in the nick of time. However, even in Godzilla's frozen state, he still spreads terror as spiny humanoid creatures are seen emerging from his tail. 
Despite delaying the inevitable nuclear strike, uncertainty still looms as Japan is in shambles, the government needs rebuilding, and in the heart of the city stands an unmoving reminder of all that has transpired in Shin Godzilla. That was clean, dude. Nice. Yeah, yeah. What a movie. I should just note as well, this was directed by two directors. Hideaki Anno, who is famous for creating the Evangelion series. And then Shinji Higuchi, who did all the special effects for the Gamera Heisei series. And he also cranked that soldier boy. (laughs) Did he? Yeah. (laughs) You will understand that reference in due time, my friend. Okay, all right. Uh, and then we have quite a quite a cool little cast here. I only included a few of them, but we got to talk about how our boy Hiroki Hasegawa, who plays Rando Yaguchi. He starred as the main character in Love and Peace, our Christmas episode that we just did uh, end of last year. Yeah, and he's the deputy chief cabinet secretary in this. Uh, there's also Satomi Ishihara, who plays Kyoko Patterson. She's the special envoy for the president of the United States in yep, this. Yep. Uh, we have Reno Sugi, who is the Prime Minister, C.G. Okochi in this. And then the last one I thought we should probably mention is Mikako Ichikawa, who plays Hiromi Ogashira, a bureaucrat from the Ministry of Environment. Yeah, it's, it, this is a hard movie to talk about the characters in. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much all of them were introduced to once with a real fast little title card for each of their can, names and roles. Can we talk about how hard it is to watch this movie in English? Subtitles zapping all over the screen as people's names are popping up, their roles, the company they work for. Yeah, uh, we've seen one of the movies that these two have directed recently, um, Shin Ultraman. Yeah. uh, came out in the past few years, but very similar style, uh, crazy cinematography shots that change what feels like every second Mm -hmm. in the wackiest motions you can do. Each of these title cards come up for like half a second, Your eyes are going every which way across the screen, up, down, left, right, (laughs) backwards, down to my little notes paper I'm writing things on. (laughs) But it's a fun time. Um, I really loved revisiting this because, as we said before, I didn't remember most of it from when we watched it like nearly 10 years ago now, eight Mm. years ago. Um, So it was really cool. Michael, what did you think about it just generally as like a – a standalone Godzilla film. A piece of Godzilla content. Yeah, a new kind of origin. Yeah, this is this is one of the only recent movies that acts as a pure standalone. And that's due to the crazy take that Hideaki and Shinji give, give the story. Uh, they take the idea of Godzilla, um, this creature created from nuclear warfare back in 54, and they kind of put a new little spin on it. So instead of this time being the product of nuclear warfare this one's the product of nuclear wastage and radioactive waste and stuff yeah Yeah. excess from that time around that period um so we get this fun little story of this godzilla who evolves over time uh, and you get back to the basics where it's the government and um the humans all trying to band together to defeat this threat and i think it's a really fun take on the the story of godzilla um because of that, but mainly because you just see it through such a different lens 
then you do the rest of the movies in the franchise. Yeah, this is so original compared to all the others because just straight from the get-go, we're straight into the story. We almost see Godzilla, or at least his tail, from the get-go. And then we're chucked into cabinet meeting after cabinet meeting, meeting people after people. And we just see how the Japanese government responds to the threat of Godzilla. And they're just in shambles. Like throughout the first half of this movie, they're in shambles. They're having meetings. They're not really doing anything to stop the threat straight away. Everything goes back to the prime minister to (laughs) thumbs up, thumbs down. The prime minister is getting a barrage of like questions and requests and he doesn't even know who to agree with or say yes to or who's talking to him and then they're like calling biologists and these old biologists like don't even know what they're talking about or don't really even want to help out or providing no useful information no um (laughs) i think it's a good good time to talk about to set this movie up so i've heard and you might be able to explain this a little bit better that there's a lot of allegory in this movie to a event that i only saw briefly mentioned as 311 Mm. when i was doing my my trivia for this movie yeah so i mean we already stated it before you'd know if you if you watch any godzilla movies that the original godzilla film godzilla was a metaphor for hiroshima and the very real nuclear bomb that went off and has left uh mark on japan it's been in their memories it's been in their history forever it's this huge event everyone remembers um and then minus one recently godzilla minus one godzilla was this metaphor almost for trauma and for depression and for like survivor's guilt survivor's guilt in that one yeah um this one takes a different route and uses godzilla to be a metaphor once again but um it's He's almost the metaphor for real a real nuclear disaster that happened in Japan in 2011. Uh, I remember when this happened. I remember my parents telling me about this in 2011. Um, but there was an earthquake, there was a tsunami, and then there was a nuclear plant, and it was just a it was just a huge, just horrible disaster. Uh, the most powerful earthquake that was ever recorded in Japan. Um, it's still the fourth most powerful earthquake ever recorded in the world. Um, and that earthquake triggered tsunami waves that reached heights of up to 40 meters. Oh, wow. Which is crazy, right? Um, and Lasted six minutes, I'm reading as well. Yeah, six minutes. And then in turn, those that tsunami caused uh, the meltdowns of three different reactors in the Fukushima Daiichi nuclear plant. Um, and it was it's just horrible what happened. I mean, the plant then discharged radioactive water out and there was evacuation zones that started like crumbling and it's, it's just horrible. I think there was 19,759 reported deaths. Oh, wow. Um, over 6,000 people injured, over 2,000 people still missing, all drowning or being burnt alive or being crushed. So it's just horrible. It's like a very real thing that happened. Um, And then this movie comes out and (laughs) kind of shows the government reacting to this threat of Godzilla and almost being inept and not reacting the way they probably could have or as well as they could have and still leading to deaths and destruction, which is just interesting when you read up about that event. I was blowing my mind reading up about it today. And is that because 
almost the after effects of what the government should have done during that time. Uh, that yeah, they just didn't handle it well at all for the survivors or some of the efforts to try and rescue people. Yeah, I'm not too sure. I was reading about it, and to be honest. I was reading articles written outside of Japan and they were saying that the government actually handled it quite well. They stepped in very fast. They evacuated zones and people and set up places for them to stay and keep safe. Um, but apparently there's a few Japanese people that feel differently, um, that the government could have supported them more or stopped so many of those casualties from happening. Um, and yeah, people draw the line from that to this and saying like very similar um, people are even going so far to say that the different forms of Shin Godzilla in this movie um, could first be like the tsunami, the earthquake, and then the oh, nuclear yeah, fallout after fallout. That. Oh, interesting. Um, so it's very interesting. It's a real weird experience coming into this movie and having this storied history of Godzilla movies. And this being the first one where it's focused almost and the human efforts are focused almost entirely on a governmental point of view, but also... It has like this very comedic undertone to yeah, it without being it, over the top. It's satirical almost at times. Very jokey. I mean, that biologist scene is definitely one when like they call in these biologists to help provide information about whatever this creature is. And then they're all just useless. One saying, oh, yeah, it's some sort of dinosaur. One saying, oh, yeah, it's some sort of sea creature. And then one saying, all those videos could just be fake. How do we know it's real? I don't want to help out because it could put my credibility down as a biologist. Like, guys, Japan's getting attacked by this huge monster. You could be like moving a bit faster. You could be attacking a bit faster. You could be trying to help out your country and doing everything you can to help and learn and deal with the threat. Anyone's just sitting around nonchalantly. Let's move this to another meeting room. Why don't we have this meeting over here? <laughs> one of my favorite parts at the start of this movie. And it's funny that this is all happening right at the beginning. It's one of the first things you're open to. Um, but you have one of your biologists coming in. I think it's the character of uh, Hiromi Okashiro who comes in as the uh, Ministry of the Environment ambassador. But she does a bit of investigating. She's like, okay, once this creature comes onto land, it's probably going to be able to support its own body weight when it starts walking on the land. And all the others are like, no, our reports state otherwise. <laughs> I don't think so. It's very unlikely. Uh, <laughs> Prime Minister, like, <laughs> Prime Minister, we don't want to tell the public this, right? It's not going to happen. And the Prime Minister goes just on TV. Just uprage. Yeah. yeah, and then he goes on TV, publicly states, there's no way this thing is going to be able to hold its own weight. We've got everything handled. Someone runs up beside on the stage, yeah. whispers in his ear, and he just shouts it out. Um yeah, it, trying it's, to save face. It's a, it's a real comedic view on the government just doing like everything wrong during a crisis yeah. situation. Well, it's interesting because it. I was even drawing parallels to like real events that are happening today, like whether that be different wars that are taking place in different places over the world or like disasters. Like <laughs> there's times in this when like people are pledging support from overseas or people are helping out with food or like sending their thoughts. It's just it's just crazy like how there's a lot of talk a lot of the time and there's a lot of meetings and a lot of people giving their thoughts but very little like very action. little action take, yeah action happening which is just it was it was so interesting to see in the context of Godzilla like mm. it's not it's not a natural disaster it's not like a real thing that's happening in real life it's it's a monster that we all know and love mm. you know yeah I, I think it's one of my favorite things about it is that. It takes this the idea of Godzilla, but then it, it looks at it in a different light and a different mm. framework. And 
I, I felt like this is the most unique that yeah. a Godzilla movie has ever been. 100%. And the story and the way it sets out to tell, um, yeah, the this, this story of this 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 event, this crisis. Mm. And as we go on, things start to get a little bit more, I, I want to say under control. Yeah. Um, they start to get their priorities in order. But the, the, ten, the tension never really lets up throughout this movie. No, because it's interesting how things start to get under control as well. Because we've got our main guy, Rando, Rando Yaguchi, Rando, just this Rando guy, this right? Rando. Uh, and instead of like working within the government and working within all these meetings and the structure that they've been working in throughout the whole lot of the movie, when no- nothing much is happening, he like gets charged with leading his own little ragtag team of scientists and nerds and a whole lot of people that are just really passionate about seeing this threat dealt with and learning all they can helping out their country and that's when the real things start happening and the real like progress starts being made Um, and i really love that section of the movie because i think we talked about it with minus one but i love it when you just meet a cast of characters coming up with a plan and you see that plan slowly put into action and you see them putting their heart and souls into a plan yeah people people outside of the government who aren't obligated to the cause no but who give up uh pretty much everything to to put their all for it uh in in this movie there's like a few intimate sequences where we see this team and they're all i can't remember who it was but one of the characters is saying man look at us isn't this cool how we go home we come to work the next day and like everybody's making meals for everybody so that they don't have to go hungry while they're at work bringing hot food back yeah Yeah, they're all sleeping there and it's a real it's a real nice look at just how much of a community can be built in those in those dangerous uh, and crisis situations yeah and the efforts that people go to to just make sure that everybody's somewhat okay or getting by in those times yeah and i really love that switch from the government who are like they're not terrible people they were just going about it in a really like probably not the best way for a situation Mm. such as this and then you see like they're the team and just the real like humanity just trying like bonding together coming together in this crisis and doing their best yeah a lot of the on the governmental side of things a lot of their individual efforts the people of the cabinets i feel like the phrase was uttered like 20 plus times in this movie but i don't want to do this because my image will falter for it yeah or if i take this course of action i don't want this to be what i'm known for so i'm not going to do it Mm. um and then, yeah, contrasting, you have this group of people who were just trying to get the job done. Yeah. Interestingly enough, though, I think the prime minister is a standout character because even though he's involved definitely in the whole corporate side, there's a real interesting scene when they have a chance to attack Godzilla when he's still in one of his earlier forms. And who knows? They could have destroyed him then before he fully evolved. And the prime minister decides not to shoot because there's a couple of elderly people like civilians in the area, which was really interesting because I think that's like the dumbest decision. Like, of course, (laughs) two people's lives to try and save everyone in Japan. Right. But it it did show that he actually did have some heart. He didn't want these two people to die. Yeah. I I felt like at the start of the movie, he's kind of made up to be this indecisive and incompetent almost. Yeah, this this prime minister who gets led around by other people, but that's one of those scenes for sure where it shows that even though it may not be the right decision, that's not up for you or you right to decide. It's a yeah, hard decision regardless. Totally, he does make a choice, and that's the important thing. It does take a take a bit of time to get there, um, 
but by the by the latter half of this movie when he's still around um because spoiler alert he dies like mm. two-thirds in uh he is making these heavy decisions he's authorizing use of all of these uh, first guns then missiles and then he just states outright all any weapons necessary to yeah. try and defeat this creature yeah it was an interesting character i did love how even though this movie was so quick and like moved around the place so much we still got to see some really great moments with all these people and how different people reacted to this same crisis uh but what do you think of like godzilla overall this design is it shin goji shin godzilla i think it's called shin goji yeah yeah so different to anything else yeah i think it's one of the first godzillas we have with very distinct evolutionary phases throughout mm. this movie he's got five forms in this um form one is just what they call when his tail's out of the water <laughs> is that form one more so because that's like one specific uh snapshot of a threat that the government's trying to to combat yeah it's like okay this is all we know about him this is all golf two is when he breaches onto land I forget the name of this one, but he was like memed a lot and for lack of a better term, kawaii-fied after the movie came out. Yeah. As Kamatakun. Kamatakun, yeah. Uh, <laughs> he's, he shows up in a lot of fan art. He's yeah. made his way to like Godziban in the future that we'll get to. This ugly little dude just spewing blood all over the place. Yeah, he's like a like a <laughs> fish with crazy blood gills uh, and bulging eyes. He eventually goes into his third form, which is when he's standing up. He's a bit more red. Still just as ugly. <laughs> Still just as ugly. He's starting to grow little arms. Uh, get to his fourth form, which is like his main form Yeah, for most of the movie. And this is what people see as like Shin Godzilla, where he's got this like crazy Google eyes. He's standing up. He's got short arms like a t-rex i kind of like them little skeletal little hands he has this like nandible mouth that opens mm. uh i don't even know how to describe him he, he's great he's really crazy with how he looks tail the tail is yeah. insane he's got a crazy tail um and then fifth form which we just get a very very brief right, look yeah. um almost a teaser of what could have been if the if the government and the people of japan didn't defeat this threat mm. in time where you're seeing that Godzilla's tail is starting to sprout these almost xenomorph like humanoid Godzilla's humanoids with back scoots humanoids with back scoots oh to be a humanoid with back scoots yeah which is so interesting because like this Godzilla is supposed to be just some sort of aquatic creature that was affected by radioactive waste and slowly started to evolve to be able to survive in the environments he was in so it's interesting that the Godzilla that's in Tokyo City starts to evolve into the environment that he's in, the city, and like starts evolving into people almost. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's an interesting way to take it. I've heard a lot of people theorize that because all of Japan ended up finally coming together and defeating this threat through community and banding together, that final form is, is, is a little look at Godzilla almost coming to the same conclusion and being like hey whoa i have to create these own individual things to work together to get the job done to survive because i can't do it as one larger con i don't know um yeah there's there's a lot of ways you could look at it which i really like it's not a clear ending 
What's really interesting as well is this Godzilla just seems stupid. I mean, when he's when he like flops out of the water at the beginning and he's like <laughs> waddling down the streets, pushing all the boats and the cars all over the place. He doesn't seem like he's very smart. I mean, we don't we don't even know what he's doing. He's not going for any like radioactive nuclear stuff to like draw power from. He's just making his way to the middle of the city and he goes and comes back. And even in his final form at the end, he still seems stupid. I mean, he's not really doing anything. He's it's kind of more so his body is doing all the work for him. Like his <laughs> body is trying to protect him. And then his body is evolving to meet the environment. It's very weird. I get that. I like it. Yeah. Uh, I, I I found it to harken back to those original ideas of Godzilla as this. Uh, and it's what the Heisei movie covered a lot. It's just this unstoppable force of nature. Mm. Uh, and in this movie, they, sh- they portray Godzilla as, yes, this creature. But like you said, it's just all the other things that are being of this immensity. All the things that come along with it. Yeah. Um, a big portion of this movie talks about how, um, well, like the reason that Godzilla goes back into the water after going on land, um, say, is because he has to cool off from releasing all of this thermal activity. That's right. It's pretty cool. Um, which is just something that comes from being a nuclear creature of that <laughs> size. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I, lo- I do love the way that Shin Godzilla looks. Like all the shots we get of his spines, like the red light coming from them, his tail... It's his tail's as big as Godzilla moving around again. It's pulsing red. Uh, I know they took a lot of inspiration from the original uh, little puppet that they used for the 1954 movie. Oh, the little ugly one that looks over the... If you think back to that shot where he looks over the, the hill, hill, yeah, you can definitely see the similarities. Yeah, I can. Right there. I love it. But I also love just like how indestructible he seems. You're Just what you were saying before... Every single bullet like bounces off him as if he's made of metal almost. Mm. It's like clanking sounds when he's getting hit by all the bullets. Yeah, it's great. He's got like little eye eye shields that pop down to protect his eyes when he's being hit. Did you see these? Like metallic like little a, a nictitating membrane? A, a what? A nictitating nictitating membrane? What the heck is a, a, a nictitating? A, a nictitating membrane. That's, That's not what a word. Lizards have to protect their eyes instead I've, of eyelids. I've always heard of that as like an inner island or like a second island. Dude, it's a nictitating membrane. Take my word (laughs) for it. right? It's either nictitating or nictating. Okay, go hard, (laughs) dude. Go hard with your nictitating membrane. Um, I also love how... Is it right? Am I right? Yeah, it's nictating. Nictating membrane. Guys, I know my lizard lore. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I um, He knows his lizard lore. I love... How we just see this Godzilla get wrecked as well. There's a scene when he gets a missile dropped into his back and it just explodes and you see blood like sploshing out of him. Yeah, after so, so much of the movie where he seems like an indestructible thing. Yeah. The the ideas that they come up with and the the strategies that they start to use and implement to to finally wear down this creature. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really cool to see him finally finally get like damaged <laughs> after all the damage he's caused to Tokyo. Yeah. And even later on when he's like getting hit down to the ground, he gets back up and getting hit down and then they're trying to like siphon. They topple like six skyscrapers on, on Godzilla. Yeah. yeah. They're trying to siphon this like coolant into him. Yeah. This, this is another one in the long line of movies where they come 
come up with real interesting ways to defeat Godzilla. Yeah. They, yeah, they pump like, I can't remember if coagulant? it was coolant or, co- or coagulant, but it's just tons and tons and tons of it into his mouth, chucking straws in his mouth to try and get him to down it all. Um, and we're not even talking about yeah, please. Uh, the main, the kind of the main thing that he does. Insane. Uh, Shin Godzilla's atomic breath. Yeah. It's one of the things he's most known for in this whole franchise. <sighs> and the lead up to it is just fantastic because we all know it's going to appear in this movie in some form or another. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to it, you see him start slowly to change from his... His red coloring, his black and red, to slowly yeah. get to his pink and this this white even. And even like how the atomic breath comes out, it starts off as just pure fire. Like it's fire that just starts like fumbling down the streets almost, t- funneling down the streets, mm-hmm. just filling up the whole city with fire. And then it slowly turns to a thinner and thinner line. This, this is what happens with blowtorches. Yeah. Uh, where they... I, I read a book about they had blowtorching as like a main theme well, last year. Wait, you read a book about blowtorches? It was, it, was, it, was, it was by the same dude who made The Martian. Okay. So very Not science-y. just reading <laughs> Dummy's Guide to Blowtorches. <laughs> well, I'm Blow reading Dummy's Guide to Lizard Eyes. <laughs> You're the, what was it, the Lizard Man? Yeah, I can be Lizard Man. You can be Blowtorch Guy. <laughs> <laughs> this is the superhero movie that everybody wants. Um. <laughs> You're talking about blowtorches. They, I'm talking about blowtorches. It's the same thing where they start to. It starts off real messy with just all. It's the like f- what you do for lenses. Yeah. What do you call it? Um, they make it more precise. They, yeah, it's like a camera lens. You, you turn the tighten, lens. You tighten the lens. You, you, you. The words on the tip. You move of my the lens, Micah. Yeah. Yes, you, you move the lens. He moves his atomic breath. <laughs> Yeah, I, I get the blowtorch. He focuses, comparison. that's the word. Okay. He yeah, focuses yeah. it into like this single straight beam. Turns purple. Of, yeah, pure purple energy. And this is like one of the most destructive abilities that any Godzilla's mm, ever done. It's such a cool scene. In one fell swoop, he just swipes across the landscape and there's pure obliteration in his wake. Mm. And not only that, later on in the movie... <laughs> We see that same atomic breath start to come from not only his mouth but his tail as well, and then to all all the different even before that his back scoots yeah. and back spikes. There there are many scenes where it's just laser beams extruding into the sky, uh, getting rid of uh, all these different helicopters and planes. And again, I love skyscrapers. it skyscrapers because it's not precise. Like he doesn't actually hit where he's being attacked from with that beam. He's kind of just hitting everywhere and some of yeah. them are hitting. He turns around and it's just everything, everything's gone. Uh, I, I, I loved how some of that looked because that first scene when he lets his atomic breath out and fire just turns up everywhere and he's walking through the fire. It went slow-mo and almost looked animated for a bit. Like I, some scenes looked like it was right, right from an anime. And I was like, man, this these visuals. That's the team of directors for you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I haven't watched any of Evangelion yet, but I know that uh, that duo, Hideaki Anno and Shinji Higuchi, work a lot with those real hullish and sometimes ethereal visuals, those times when it just goes over the top and you're left with this just crazy, almost, almost like eldritch. Mm-hmm. image of these it's a creatures good comparison, yeah um and th- this godzilla definitely looks eldritch in nature <laughs> yeah 
Man, I, I love the way that Arno shoots his movies, though, because we both saw Shin Ultraman. And while he didn't direct that, he was producing it. He was did some of the cinematography for it. He was, I think he wrote the wrote the screenplay. Yep, he was a writer. Um, so he's very much across the Shin Japan heroes world and how all the movies look and feel. Um, and Ultraman feels very similar. Shin Kamen Rider felt cinema. I think he directed that one. But I just love... Love how this movie looks. It's so creative. Yeah, they did a lot in Shin Ultraman. It's one of my favorite things about it, but the use of cinematography is fantastic. We see... It's, it's like one of their classic bits of iconography is they they have a lot of cinematography where it's like from the POV of <laughs> an item or a thing in the environment. Yeah, you're not just getting a normal close-up or an over-the-shoulder shot or anything. You're getting... POV from a chair or POV from a laptop screen. I've heard a lot of people say that his shots are like being a fly on a wall. Mm. It's like, it's not, the camera's not in a place where you usually would have it if you were shooting a scene. No. But in being a place where you don't expect it to be, I feel like it emphasizes everything that's on screen. Yeah, it's so cool. There's like a couple scenes when we get, yeah, the point of view of like a tank, like we're just seeing around yeah. the tank as it's yeah. shooting at Godzilla. Real creative. And especially for those board meeting scenes, it's a bit more normal in those spaces, but just those big sweeping shots. It feels like there's so much in frame every single shot here. Mm. Uh, and it's especially in ones where like Godzilla comes onto the scene. One of the iconic shots here is of Shin Godzilla. Just this like very small section, a very small portion in the top left of the screen when you're seeing just people running away and like the ocean and other destroyed buildings in the foreground taking up most of the shot. Yeah. Yeah, some really, really cool visual art styles and imagery here. Yeah. What did you think of the train bombs? Micah, there was some vehicles Dude. and <laughs> scenes from this movie that are depicted in one of our favorite games, Godzilla, Godzilla Battle, Battle Line. We had the like stealth bombers. Yep, stealth bombers were there. Uh, we had the train bombs. I can't believe this train bomb scene where they're just sending trains with explosives in them to blow up Godzilla. There's a scene when they just send off like 20 at once and they're just like glitching up Godzilla's body and exploding. <laughs> it looks so Flying wacky. Into the air. I liked the CGI for most of this movie, I must say. It still holds up today. Godzilla looks great. I don't know why, but I've always thought I mean, I only saw this movie once in 2016. I've always just remembered like the googly eyes and I've always just been like, ah, oh, that movie probably didn't look as good. didn't look too good. It probably yeah. doesn't hold up, but it really does. Uh, yeah, I, I think Godzilla, especially his final fourth form here, looks just so good. Yeah. So good. Uh, everything else is like all right for me. Yeah, it is just like some of the vehicles, some of the trains, uh, the helicopters. The other Godzillas, I do not like. You still don't like his first couple forms? Nah. Really? I don't like his tail. That's the one bit that like just put me out of it because I look at Godzilla, his skin looks so charred and so awesome mm. and so lifelike. And you just see this flop, this tail flopping around behind him. It looks <laughs> like it just takes me out. Like that's not something that could actually exist and be moving the way it does. Um, but I appreciate the design. I appreciate it. <laughs> Yeah, there's so many different facets of this movie that I, I really, really enjoy. Um, do you mind if I go into some trivia real Dude, quick, go for it.
Yeah, so first off, this was the first movie in like a line of Japanese movies with the Shin title in. Uh, most of us believe that's because Shin means new. Yeah, is that not the case? Um, it is, but the producer Akihiro Yamauchi um, said that he chose the title Shin Gojira um, because Shin means a few other things as well. So it actually has a few syllables that Shin can convey, such as new, but also true. So true Godzilla. Oh, that's cool. And God. God Godzilla. So imagine being in Japan and seeing them announce the movie God Godzilla. Well, what's interesting is Gojira doesn't mean anything to do with God, right? In Japan, no. it literally means gorilla whale. Gorilla whale. Or something like that. So it's he, we, <laughs> the jokes when we refer to Godzilla as a god is real is a real western thing yeah but they do t- they do actually talk about that in this movie in this movie specifically yeah uh, god incarnate yeah uh in this movie it's the u.s that names him godzilla yeah uh which is a real nice little parallel there yeah uh the international title for this movie was godzilla resurgence but they ended up just keeping the title shin godzilla i like it because it, it, it sticks i think it's really cool mm. Another bit of trivia, director Hideaki Anno told the actors to speak faster than usual so that they would resemble actual politicians and bureaucrats. <laughs> That's why I actually like the the messiness at the start of this movie when everyone's talking fast, there's so many subtitles and name introductions. It actually adds to the chaos of the whole thing. It, it feels chaotic. It feels like everybody's <laughs> just trying to spew everything out. Yeah, because I miss so many people's names. <laughs> I miss whoever all the people were in that conference room, but that almost added to it because it just felt yeah. so all over the place. Uh, it said that Hideaki Anno, he would cut the take if they spoke too slowly. Really? <laughs> Which is great for that those first few scenes, because if, if there's a national emergency of that level, yeah. of course you're not going to take your time making it nice and pretty and prim for yeah. the camera. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be hectic, and that comes across so, so well. Uh, Jay, should you remember Satomi Ishihara? She is the US representative. <laughs> Who wants to be the U.S. Prime the U.S. President? Sorry, one day. Yeah, I, I loved her. She was great. She had terrible English. She was trying, <laughs> so she didn't know that her part included any English until she got it. <laughs> really? <laughs> uh, the hardest part of her performance was learning English. Uh, the day after being cast, found out that she was going to be speaking American. Oh my goodness! So she learnt English for the role. That I don't know if she, she had to do. I don't know if she learnt it. I know there's a few actors out there who have. Uh, what's that? What's that French act- actress who's in like the Blade Runner recent movie? Um, oh yeah, everyone loves her. I can't remember her name right now. An- you, Anna, Anna something. You will know who she is from Knives Out. You'll know her. from from The Witcher. Oh, is she in The Witcher? No, she's not in The Witcher. Never mind. Are we talking about the same person? Deep Water. I don't know what that is. <laughs> Um, no time to die. There's Anna a- de Armas, of course. Anna de Armas, yeah. Uh, Anna de Armas is one of those actresses who I think the first movie she was in included a lot of English. She didn't learn English for it. She just learned how to phonetically say all of her lines. It sounds like this is definitely what this actress in Shin Godzilla is doing because it's it's right English, but it just sounds like she's repeating it phonetically. It's it's. it's <laughs> Not the way that you would say it if you were learning the no. language. Uh, there's a few other characters who speak English in this movie as well. And I, f- I feel like continuing the trend, this movie has a few English speaking actors who are just terrible in their delivery. Yeah, man, they 
there must be like they must need some good English speaking actors over there. Maybe maybe we just got to head over, Micah, stand outside the Toho lot, try get hired as Americans. Us New Zealanders should try get hired as Americans for the new Toho Godzilla movie. It's that easy. We just have to be standing there. The the trick will probably be that those American actors can speak Japanese so they can get directions and they can work with the crew. That would probably be it. Even if their English isn't great. Yeah. It's interesting. The day that the people first encounter Godzilla in this movie is on November 3rd, which is a reference 11-3-3-11 um, wow. To that original incident in Japan. What's interesting is, isn't November 3rd also Godzilla Day? Is that right? Is that right? Godzilla Day. November 1st. November 1st. Flip. That would be, inc- that that would be, be incredibly crazy. coincidental. Crazy. Uh, and last little interesting bit here. Favorite character, Rando Yaguchi. He's your favorite character? Uh, I think everybody's favorite character. Flip. That I, might, no. I like the American girl. Sorry, I'll, I'll rephrase that. Fan favorite character, Randy <laughs> Um, We were talking about how a lot of these characters had those introductory like title cards for them whenever they came up first. Yeah. So it's sometimes hard to notice in this movie, but he gets reintroduced with later a on. Card. I noticed it not not only once more, but a few times. Really? Um, and that's that happens whenever he's given more responsibilities in the film. I definitely noticed it when he had to like lead that group of scientists his mm. own little group which is really cool yeah like whenever he steps up whenever he takes on more responsibility it's almost reframing him in uh in a more important light which is a real nice little thing that they did i think yeah i i really liked his character um and his progression throughout the film because he's just even though he's sweating through his shirts he's just <laughs> he's doing as much work as he can trying to save the city and i, I love the ending as well when it's like um, it's hinted at that he should try to be president or he should try mm. be in the new cabinet. Um, and there's like a line that's, this is a good opportunity for us to rebuild it right. Yeah. Really cool with like him as a part of that. Because I'm all right in saying like the whole Japanese cabinet ends up resigning. Yeah, a lot of them got resigned. A lot of them I think were killed. Mm. And yeah, sets the place for them. I find him to be a real compelling character because he's one combatant, but he's also just really humble. Yeah. There's a scene where he, where other people are saying, after this, you should run for president. And he's like, maybe in 10 years, mm. I'll work towards that. Right now, I'm just focused on getting this task done. <laughs> it's like, yeah, he's like the perfect choice after seeing this movie. Um, and I just have to say as well, after seeing Love and Peace, the range of Hiroki Hasegawa um, is crazy. In Love and Peace, he played this down on his luck, just, just douchey. Mm-hmm guy who made you want to kick him yeah every time he was on screen yeah he's great i need to track down some other stuff he's in but he's real cool in this real real humbly heroic is what i like to call him yeah that's what i aspire to be jasha humbly heroic humbly heroic i think you're there thanks mate i think you're there you're a humbly heroic blowtorch bro (laughs) you're a humbly heroic lizard lad (laughs) uh do you guys do some final thoughts and ratings I love the quick cut we had to the people in Japan. There was a small group of them that were rioting and saying, save Godzilla, Godzilla is God, and reacting to this monster in a real different way than everyone else in the city. Um, I just love that. It felt straight out of an anime once again, or it felt Mm. real like um, a, a cool thing for them to briefly explore. 
because uh, that's probably what would happen in real life if this huge god-like creature came some people would probably want to worship it who knows i think you'd be there i'd be there i'd be yeah yeah save godzilla um again him getting asked to change his shirt because he stinks i keep coming back to this but i would be so humiliated if anyone ever said that to me i feel like it's all right though if you're in a national state of emergency (laughs) if you're three days if you're like not even three days in I feel like you got to have a little bit of leeway with your stench. <laughs> yeah. The humiliation from that, though, I'd never recover. <laughs> I did love the quick cut to him. Like near the end of the movie, you see him buttoning up a shirt and retying a tie, like insinuating that he's changed his shirt once again. <laughs> yeah. It's a pretty cool little cutaway. Um, I love the Orochi mention. Yes. We got a Orochi name drop because I think um, the operation that they come up with to use all this coagulant they name it operation yashiori which is the drink that was fed to orochi in the original stories that was able to put him to sleep so that um yeah he could be slain yeah rando puts for that operation name in like two seconds flat yeah but it's so cool because it is actually you can see clear comparisons to how they defeat godzilla and how in the original stories and in the three treasures movie that toho made depicting those stories both monsters are kind of taken down the same way. It's a nice through line there. Nice. Do they give him line. that little drink, that nectar in the OG Three Treasures movie? Yeah, they do. Remember, he's drinking drinking out of the buckets. Oh, I vaguely remember that. And we watched that near the start of Podzilla now. We need to rewatch. Good stuff. Check out that episode. <laughs> um, last thing I just wanted to mention was that there's a guy in this. No way. There's a guy in that team of scientists who has like a pink cloth or a pink flannel yeah. around yeah, his yeah, neck. Yeah. Um, the actor is Shinya Tusakamoto, and he is actually the director of Tetsuo the Iron Man. Oh, I've heard, heard of that. that. It's yes. a real like cult classic, grimy Japanese movie. Mm. Um, but he's he's got a huge cult following in Japan. He's made all these kind of weird and wonderful Japanese movies, and he does do some acting as well. And it's cool to see him in like a pretty prominent role in this yeah. one. <laughs> Yeah, pretty big movie because this movie did do very, very well, yeah. didn't it? Yeah, very well. Um, but yeah, all in all, I loved this, man. I loved this. I I did not expect to love this as much as I did. I think it's such a fresh, interesting, inventive take on the Godzilla story. Um, they didn't just like use a new metaphor and show it in a new light but the way the story was told was told in such a different way the way it was shot was shot in such a different way the way Godzilla looked was shown in such a different way everything is such a change up from anything we're used to um and I just love it for that and yeah I I think the story is really thrilling I I know a lot of people kind of tune out because of all the meetings and because of all the Mm. talk in this movie uh but I was really locked in on it it's actually pretty um intense especially towards the end them running out of time the u.s wanting to step in and like launch a bomb on the city and they're just against all odds having to try this harebrained scheme to try and defeat godzilla um i thought it was so cool so inventive i love the metaphors and i i think it's a five out of five for me five out of five five out of five micah people with balls five out of five people with balls (laughs) There's a part of this movie when I think Rando's assigned his team of scientists and he's yeah. like, finally, people with balls. 
So I want some of those scientists. I want five of them. I want five people <laughs> with balls <laughs> good, out of five. Good stuff, Jason. <laughs> For Shin Godzilla. Nice. What a movie. Yeah, it's a good one. Um, yeah, I, I really, really love this as well, mainly because it's just a real fresh take on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I love most of the things I've seen Hideaki Anno um, and Shinji make. Uh, Shin, Shin Ultraman was standout for me. And I think, yeah, this is right up there with it. It's just real fun takes of the behind the scene things of what happens during these crisis events and a different view on how people go about working together to try take down this creature when sometimes it's not just the creature that's at play it's all the interpersonal relationships that come along with running a country making sure that everybody else is safe Mm. making sure that tensions are all right between other countries when things like this are happening um yeah even 50 years after the original godzilla it's it's nice to see a shake-up of the formula yeah and i think that's the main thing here um I love I love Godzilla in this. He's fantastic. Uh, the only thing I would take away from it is that you don't spend a lot of time with a lot of the characters, and sometimes there's a lack of emotional connection to them. I'd say, mm. um, but I think it works all right, especially since this with this movie you're kind of swept up in the events. I think that uh, almost adds to it for me is just because we are seeing these little bits and pieces of these people, but we are seeing scenes of their humanity yeah their heart at different times i don't know if i like it but i like it in this context Mm. it's like yeah you're seeing people to show you're seeing all these people show up to this work that they're trying to do and it's almost like they have to push aside all of those um scenes where you might get a bit of character development with them or you might learn a little bit about their home life or yeah the family around them pushes that aside because they're just trying to get the job done Mm. You're I right, because now, now you like mentioned their families. It would have been maybe interesting to see a little bit of what's happening at home or the things they're dealing with on top of all this. But I don't know. I think focusing on just the governmental side of it gives it a very clear picture of what this sh- this movie is trying to do. Yeah. Um, it's a choice, and it's a choice that works really, really, really well. Um, and yeah, probably one of my favorite Godzillas up there Whoa. Right now. Shin Godzilla's awesome, dude. Shingoji, how many, how many people with balls would you give Shin Godzilla? Um, I was torn between four point five, um, but I feel like that would be very, very sore. So I'm just going to push it up to five. Five out of five. Yeah, let's go. Yeah, man. I'm. It's so cool how there has been so many standalone Godzilla movies, all of them done really, really well, mm. and done in like hugely different ways. Yeah, that that's probably the biggest thing this movie's done for me is after watching it, I'm going forward with a hope and an expectation that even with some of the upcoming movies like uh, Godzilla X Kong, but mostly like we've seen with Godzilla Minus One, is that people just keep on continuing to make Godzilla movies with unique visions. In their own way. Yeah, yeah. Get, getting, getting fresh people behind uh, the scenes, behind the camera as directors of these movies. And just putting their own little spin, their own take on Godzilla. Yeah, because that's, I remember like thinking back to all the movies we've covered on the show, all the episodes we've done. Some of the times when we've really enjoyed the movies the most is when there has been a new director. Even if the movie is kind of lame or campy or weird, it does inject a certain amount of like freshness into it. 
it makes it different and makes it entertaining when someone does just give their take on this monster or this story. Yeah. And like we, we've got a lot of new takes coming up um, mm. in this railway era of Godzilla. But even like I'm super happy that the monster verse is around because that's giving us a side of Godzilla that we haven't really seen before. Yeah. Um, this Hollywoodified um crazy cg fights version and even the different monsterverse movies i mean there's different directors there and you can definitely see their takes on it um i know i'm looking forward to like the anime trilogy and even godzilla singular point just because it seems like they've got real cool takes yeah on the mythos of godzilla yeah it's real cool what a cool franchise that you can have so many different people sharing their views and creating like awesome movies and shows from the same from the same like building blocks yeah the building blocks so interesting uh we have some messages some reviews sent in from you guys we thought we'd read out first one here is from Zaniko, and Zaniko says monsters are tragic beings they are born too tall too strong too heavy they are not evil by choice that is their tragedy they do not attack people because they want to but because of their size and strength Mankind has no other choice but to defend himself. And that's a quote from a Shiro Honda. And Zaniko says, yeah, this quote basically describes Shin Godzilla. The different approach to Godzilla is very welcome, as opposed to him either being the villain or the hero. He's the victim, a victim of humanity and a victim of himself. Not allowed death, not allowed peace and love. After all, if he dies, who would know something of him? On the other hand, this movie is just kind of, ha ha ha, government, you suck. So that's cool. I'm going to give it four pointless meetings out of five. Good stuff. <laughs> I love that Um, I love that reference to Godzilla being the victim in this. Because he really is. He's kind of created not out of his own choice because of what humanity did to him. His body's just kind of reacting naturally how it would to try and survive in the environment. I mean, even a lot of the scenes where like, uh, they're hosing in that coolant into his mouth. The destruction that he causes then is really just self-defense. Yeah, you're right. It's a nice take on it. I've got another message here from Joseph, Joe Jazzy. Mm-hmm. I think this is my favorite Godzilla score so far. Just perfect and played in the exact right moments. I love the different evolutions Godzilla goes through in this. It's an awesome way to keep the monster interesting and unpredictable. One of the early ones that we see, I want to figure of badly. He's just a cute little fella flopping his way through the city. I think this is Kamarakun. Yeah. And I adore him. Fantastic watch along with the Podzilla folks. Had not seen this in years and it was way better than I remembered. It's in my top three so far for sure. Right alongside Minus One and the original 1954 film, Five Out of Five. Yes, Joe. I want to point out there as well, he talked about... Uh, that this is his favorite Godzilla score so far. We didn't even talk about the music, and nah. I feel like that was an amazing part of the movie. How do we forget? Some great tracks. definitely going to my Godzilla playlist I've got for sure. Can't wait to re-listen to some of these. Um, We have another message here from Thomas, aka Obscure in the Discord. And Thomas says, holy hell, this movie. Seeing it in a crowded theater back in October of 2016 was an unmatched experience. Eight years on, it still holds up and ranks in my top three. That said, 
while I would rank this among the best Godzilla films, I wouldn't rank it as a template Godzilla film. Using this as someone's introduction to the series is a horrendous idea and would most likely result on their being bored or confused, speaking from experience. That aside, on its own terms, the film works tremendously. Everything it sets out to do, it accomplishes perfectly. While the focus on political reactions isn't for everyone, there is no denying the flawless artistry on display during those sequences. Departmental board meetings have never looked this flashy and probably never will again. <laughs> I give it 9.9999999 out of 10. Only minus one in Godzilla x Mechagodzilla get my 10 out of 10. This was super <laughs> close though. The line is practically microscopic. I like it. <laughs> Um, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I couldn't imagine someone seeing this as like, "Hey, you want to watch a Godzilla movie? Here's the first. Here's the first one you should check out: Shin Godzilla." It's really interesting because I know a lot of people um, who saw this as one of their first Godzilla movies. Wow. Sorry, I don't know a lot of people who saw this as their first Godzilla movie. You personally know, but so. I know that a lot of people who saw this as their first one, um, when it came around to watching Godzilla minus one, it really affected their their love of that movie. Yeah. Yeah, you are right. I've, I, yeah, now that you mention it, I, I do know that there are a whole lot of people that were introduced to Godzilla through the MonsterVerse, and then they saw this as Japan's take on it, and this was how Japan does Godzilla, mm. and they haven't really seeked out much of the other Japanese Godzilla stuff. Yeah. So interesting observation. It is interesting. Yeah, it is very interesting that you're speaking from experience there too. There's a lot of Japanese Godzilla. I don't think there is a single template for all the films, to be honest. There's not one movie I could point to and be like, hey, every Godzilla movie is like this. Uh, yeah, I've got another one here from Morshu. And Morshu says, A God Incarnate. This was such a return to form movie for the Godzilla franchise. It was nice seeing the human characters react to such a creature as they did in the original from 1954, compared to all the other movies where they kind of just see Godzilla and go, oh, he's here, let's stop him. The only downside to me, at least, is that some of the human scenes drag on a bit longer than necessary. And Moshu gives it 4.5 out of 5. Nice. Do I think some of the human scenes drag? No, I've, I feel like the pacing for this movie, while it is very fast, and I, I know that it would turn off for a lot of people, there are some slower scenes. I feel like it's done all right. Yeah. We have a message from Big O. Yeah. Who says... Made my girlfriend take the Shin Godzilla pill and I might have to take her to rehab because she became addicted to this insanity. Five out of five. Big O, I could not be happier for you. <laughs> yes, Big O. Taking the Shin Godzilla pill. Um, and actually, lastly, we have a voice message from Nelbus. Thought I'd give that a play. Hello, my Kiwi brothers. So for me, as far as where Shen stands in the legacy of Godzilla, I would say this is, uh, without a doubt, one of the most evocative films. Yeah, what's really cool is uh, when it comes to Hideaki Anno's filmography, I find this film to be interestingly very different in that it's uh, his least intimate film. But I think that really works in the film's favour because it is about that disconnectivity. The harsh cuts between the boardrooms are kind of this like really comedic angle that lends to that socio-political satirical nature, which really plays at odds with the very kinetic anime-like sequences of human cooperation, where you have those framing devices of like the POV, you're a desk, POV, you're a chair, POV, you're a screen, that kind of evokes what he did in Love and Pop in 1998. Very 
observational, very fly on the wall. It's like we're getting tossed and thrown around this cooperative hive mind. It's really cool. And then how we break away from that and we get the imagery of infrastructure and railway lines and power cables, which is something you see throughout his entire career. You see it in Ritual, you see it in Evangelion, which really lends to the idea that uh, it's the connectivity of humanity that is truly the saviour instead of this bureaucratic government that refuses to adapt against this monster that exists to evolve. I think what Arno brings to Godzilla as a socio-political commentary satire is just really exciting for the series so yeah one of my favorites uh absolutely freaking love it thanks for the show boys oh good stuff nalbus i saw him five bang it right after we finished watching yes nalbus our brother from aussie absolutely amazing stuff yeah i love um when you mentioned the power lines and the cables i couldn't help but stop seeing them throughout the movie and that's something i'm definitely i really want to dig into arno's other stuff other movies love and pop um, and Ritual that you mentioned there. I, I've added them to my watch list. I can't wait to check them out. Yeah, both of these directors, I think anything we've seen from both of them, we've we've been really receptive to the way that they've portrayed these ideas, uh, like specifically with the camera work there. It's just always so interesting. I'm really looking forward to seeing more from these two. Yeah. Freaking amazing review as well, Nalbus. Follow Nalbus on Letterboxd, everyone. You check out this stuff. Uh, anyway, next episode, we're going to be covering Kong Skull Island from 2017. We're back into the monsterverse. And the synopsis for this goes, A crew that reaches the mysterious Skull Island to map it is suddenly attacked by a humongous ape. The survivors must then struggle to regroup and learn more about the ape, the island's natives, and a world of underground monsters. Yeah, this is the one MonsterVerse movie that I had seen prior to this Podzilla yeah. journey. Uh, and funnily enough, I was busting to go to the bathroom, so I left the theater before I saw the Godzilla connection. <laughs> the after credit the scene. The after credit scene. Oh my goodness, I forgot you did that. Um, so it's going to be nice to come back to this with that wider view of not only the Godzilla franchise, but also the Kong franchise that we've covered on the Patreon. Yeah, yeah, we've covered every single Kong movie, and there are more than you'd think there would be over on patreon.com slash podzilla. Um, I'm excited to have John Goodman finally on the show. <laughs> Samuel L. Jackson finally making his podzilla appearance. Tom Hiddleston, Brie Larson. Whoa. Uh, what's, what's that other? John C. Riley. <laughs> John C. Riley. yep. Man, it's, it's legends. Weird. It's going to be weird having another movie with kind of famous Western actors. <laughs> in this. Yeah. Um, I can't wait for it, though. As always, yeah, jump into the Discord. Link's in the show notes. And email us with your thoughts on the movie, podzillapod at gmail.com. And we'll catch you next week for Kong Skull Island. Jason, got any last words of advice you want to give our listeners before we head off? Yeah, I mean, I just can't stop thinking about this shirt thing. I have to. I have a confession to make. Um, I used to sit next to a guy at work that always stank like B.O., always stank like bo and there is a website um where you can like put in someone's email address and it like anonymously is supposed to email them about their bo and i felt like the worst person doing this and then coming the next day and not smelling bo and being like man i know who this is i've i've heard through the grapevine that he was like real distraught after getting them really yeah oh no oh no 
I like to think I changed the world for the better, though. <laughs> I'd like to think I changed the world for the better. Thanks for listening to Podzilla. Join our Discord server, tag us on Letterboxd, and follow us on our socials at PodzillaPod. The links are all in our show notes. If you're looking to help support the show and fund more adventures on Monster Island, check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash podzilla to get access to extended cuts of every episode and the occasional bonus app. Big shout out to Cassie Celine for our seasonal podcast art. And a quick disclaimer that all music and additional audio used in this episode belong entirely to the Turbo Company.